1: Hello and welcome everyone to Forgotten True Crime. My name is Trevor Shelby and the spooky times are here, meaning we are telling haunted stories once again. But seriously everyone, thank you all for joining us for our 2022 Spooktacular event. It's October. And I'm ready to tell a few more spooky stories from my home state and perhaps elsewhere as well. The stories that are featured on this show are true stories. The narrative of each episode comes from extensive research through police reports, trial notes, appeals, personal accounts, news reports, and so much more. Opinions in the show should be taken as such. For more information on each story... Join us on our webpage over at truecrime.blog, where you're going to see some of the cool things that we gathered for each show. This one's got a lot of really cool stuff. I'm telling you, go check it out. And you can go to our Facebook page as well over at Forgotten True Crime Oki Investigations. These stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. James Bailey and Henry Baker, who went by Dutch, and this is how we're going to refer to him for now on, were very close friends. Many of us make friends with others who share the same likes, dislikes. You might like the same sporting team or enjoy the same type of music. You can bond and make friends over just about any topic. And I do mean any topic topic in this case james and dutch bonded over well one simple thing staying alive and being the big dogs in prison these two became fast friends because they were huge and powerful men they intimidated most of the other inmates with no more than just a stare If you stood against them or didn't follow their orders, they would likely be coming for you to teach you a lesson. The two men first met in the late 1880s when they were incarcerated in prison. In 1884, James Bailey was arrested for assault and robbery and sentenced to 14 years in prison. I couldn't find any official records on the tellings of what his exact what his arrest was for. Um, after he was sentenced, he was sent to the Folsom State Prison in California. Dutch had also been arrested in 1884. He and an accomplice broke into a store. They stole all of the goods out of the store, and then they proceeded to open their own store in order to sell their stolen merchandise. Their plot was foiled And Dutch was sentenced to 15 years in prison. He was sent to Folsom State Prison, also in California. Folsom State Prison is well known. It's still open today, and it's been featured in many movies and TV shows throughout the years. It was first opened in 1880, and it was the second oldest prison in California. It was at Folsom where the two men first met and became fast friends. They intimidated the other inmates over and over. They got into many fights that could have easily ended in murder. As the time went on, the two men's prison records started to show that they should be placed somewhere else. A prison that might be better equipped to hold such violent men. It was arranged for both James and Dutch to be moved to San Quentin, where they were placed in a cell together, which probably proved to be, you know, a mistake. The two men spent their time in the prison cell planning out how they were going to become the top dogs in San Quentin. In Folsom, it was almost like they were a big fish in a little pond. But in San Quentin, they were definitely the small fish if they were apart. Together they probably stood a better chance. It was reported that the two men spent all their time breaking the prison rules. They were always ugly, quarrelsome prisoners, and time after time, they had been punished for their violence. They used makeshift knives to cut and slash other prisoners who annoyed them. This caused large scars on the victims that they would have to see for the rest of their lives. They were described by one guard as the worst prisoners they had ever dealt with. Over the next year, they did nothing but cause trouble for the other inmates and guards in San Quentin. But instead of gaining power in the prison population, they actually made things harder for themselves. Over time, James and Dutch started blaming one another for their multiple mishaps, and eventually, they began to fight amongst themselves. Eventually, they were no longer cellmates. The guards couldn't keep breaking up their fights, and decided that separating them was the best thing to do. The two would still see each other in the prison, but they were no longer friends. Then, a rumor began to swirl around the prison that both James and Dutch were carrying knives intended to do harm to one another. From a lot of the bystanders' statements, it was James who was the aggressor here. He started threatening Dutch and telling him that when he had the chance, he was a dead man. Dutch was not the type of inmate to back down from a fight, But he knew that if he didn't strike first in this situation, he would likely be dead or maimed very soon. This was not the first time he had to deal with death threats in prison, and Dutch knew how to properly deal with them. So on September 22nd, 1891, Dutch put his plan into action. The San Quentin Dining Room was a vast space with tables all around. There were two lines to getting your food. They were on opposite sides of the room. This helped space the inmates out and helped everyone eventually find seats and places where they could eat. Dutch was in line on one side of the room. He looked around the dining hall and he laid eyes on James Bailey. James was on the other side of the hall, and he was sitting down, and he was already eating his dinner. So, once Dutch made his move, he knew the guards would be alerted very quickly. There are only a few reasons an inmate would be leaving the line to eat to cross the room, and none of them were for good deeds. Once he found his target, he waited for the perfect time to strike, As he moved through the line, Dutch found himself directly behind James. Once Dutch knew that James could not see him coming, he darted from his line, and as he ran up to James, he reached into his waistband and pulled out a knife. Dutch quickly grabbed James by the front of his hair and pulled his head back, and as he did so he plunged the knife into James's neck. One guard stated that he had seen the entire event and thought Dutch was just punching James, but when he saw the blood, he knew something much more terrible was happening. Over and over, he stabbed. James tried to struggle, but it was all too late. Dutch started screaming to James, I've fixed you! You'll never threaten me again. Say
0: goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards
2: tell them to oppose the Durban marshall credit card bill what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify
1: Within just a few seconds, James received nine stab wounds to the right side of his neck. Amos Lunt was the first guard to reach the grisly scene. He demanded that Dutch drop his knife. Dutch responded by raising the knife as if to attack Officer Lunt. But Dutch was too late. Officer Lunt was very quick and had his nightstick out and was ready to strike. Coming to his senses, Dutch dropped the knife and surrendered himself. The guards that were in the dining room had to quickly gain control of the situation. They ordered all the inmates to the wall as if they were receiving some kind of punishment. You see, many of them were screaming and on the verge of fighting and starting a riot. But when the guards showed that they were not going to back down, they quickly subsided. Captain McLean was on the scene pretty quickly. He was a captain there at the prison. It was told to the officers pretty quickly that Dutch had only done this because James was going to do it first. But when Captain McLean searched James's body... They didn't find any weapons on him. For his actions, Dutch was charged with murder, and then he was transported over to the San Rafael's jail. At that time, this was actually a large courthouse that housed the county jail, police station, courthouse, all those municipal buildings, basically. When Dutch was placed in his cell... He was told by the other inmates that it was actually a haunted cell. He was told that everyone that went into that cell was haunted by some kind of ghost of a prisoner who had hanged themselves in that cell. It was recorded that actually two prisoners had committed suicide there. Not believing any of this, Dutch ignored those warnings. The next day, he would make his plea, and his trial would start. Dutch decided that he would plea not guilty. In his mind, he was only defending himself from a crime that would have happened if he didn't strike first. So, this was not his fault. He had to kill his former friend. So, Dutch went to bed that night only thinking of the coming trial. But soon, right around 11 p.m., he awoke to a strange sound. Clanking chains could be heard, strange footsteps, and then an eerie ghostly scream could be heard. This went on through the night, and so Dutch got little rest when he was called to go to the courthouse. Dutch kept on to his plan of pleading not guilty, He was in for quite a fight. The state intended to show that no matter what, this was premeditated murder, and he should spend the rest of his life in prison. After his time in court, Dutch was again sent to his cell. Again, just before midnight that night, Dutch was visited by the same ghost. This time, Dutch fearfully yelled for help. A guard came running, but He searched the area, there was a boiler nearby, he looked all around and found nothing. This went on for just a few days, and as each of these days went on, Dutch began to get more and more frightened. Finally, he went to court and he told the judge that he wanted to change his plea to guilty as long as they would get him out of jail that night. Seizing on the opportunity to end the case, Judge Angliotti sentenced Dutch to life in prison. That day, Dutch was interviewed by a reporter who was dumbfounded by the change in plea. You see, Dutch stood a pretty good chance of getting off easy on this one. But Dutch didn't hold back and he told the reporter of the late night spook that visited him and didn't give him a moment's rest. Those who were close to what had happened believe the ghost was in fact James himself getting back at his old friend. Over the years, this ghost came back over and over again. It did the same thing over again, which was rattling the chains. It made the loud, ghostly screams, and it knocked things off in weird high places. Several years later, on January 28th, 1900, two reporters actually stayed at the jail to see if they too could hear the spook. They were rewarded by many of the same happenings that everyone had experienced over the years. They heard the rattling of the chain, they heard the strange footsteps, and the eerie ghostly yell. It was all happening near the same cell that Dutch had once stayed in. The source of the sound was actually by the old boilers that were still there. When the newspapermen investigated the sound, they found that something was moving behind one of the large tanks. There was a large old chain back there that rattled when this thing ran against it. Soon it came out into the light, and the newspapermen laughed. It was just a local cat that frequented the prison to hunt for mice. No one cared about it because it was friendly. It also kept all the rodents at bay. Once the cat was removed from the area, it was said that the ghost never returned. So the question is, was the cat the ghost for all of these years? Or did the ghost go quiet when a good enough explanation came along? We will never know. The prison burned down about 50 years after the cat was found, and no one actually continued to investigate the ghost. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed this story. This one was actually a lot of fun to do a lot of research on. I kind of stumbled upon it. I was doing some simple searches about ghosts in prison, and this one actually stood out as an early 1880s ghost, and it turned out to be a fantastic story. Every document and article I was able to find actually kind of gave me more and more insight to what happened. Uh, Researching stories that are 142 years old is not that simple. Many of the records are no longer available. They've been destroyed or lost. So whenever you do find something like this, it's actually quite exciting for me So I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. It actually took me quite a while to really kind of piece this one all together. I'll have a little bit more information about this one on the blog. I actually found a really cool article about the cat itself and whose cat it actually was. And this was actually like a really well-known local cat. So definitely go over there. I'll get the story posted very soon over at truecrime.blog. Thank you guys so much for listening to this one. I will have a couple more really good spooky tales for you guys this year. I really enjoyed doing these. It kind of breaks up the monotony of true crime case after true crime case. It's always so doom and gloom, whereas with these, I get to have a little bit more fun because these have a little spook factor and mystery to them. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, that way when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. I'll see you all next time. See ya